Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Take your Bibles. Uh, This morning, we're going to continue my series on uh, Naked and Unashamed. Uh, Last or the previous week, we talked about naked truths of marriage, expectation, shared life experiences, communication, offense and reconciliation, God, faith, and church. You can look at those on YouTube if you missed it, Facebook, um, our iTunes podcast. This morning, you can, if you want to turn to Genesis 2 and 1 Corinthians, I'm going to be there. I'm going to talk about human sexuality, okay? So if you're 35 years of age or older, probably your sexual values have already been set. But if you're 35 years and younger, there's a different message today when it comes to sexuality and sexual values. So I feel like, I'm going to preach to everyone, but I feel like I owe a biblical response to the those that are 35 years of age and under. You're hearing a lot of different things. A lot of the boundaries that we've already always enjoyed, you know, have been moved and society and culture has changed when it comes to this. So this morning I want to reinforce the biblical worldview. So I'm going to talk about sex and single, sex and marriage, sex and homosexuality, and sex and LGBTQ. Okay, that's where I'm headed. Unapologetically. Now listen, everybody else talks about it. Everybody else talks about it. So I'm going to talk about it this morning, and I want to reinforce biblical values this morning. Now, listen, Josh Kors got his whole family here this morning, even his grandmother, okay? And he, and he, he should be sweating, all right, like he already is when he heard what I'm preaching on, all right? But I don't come with anger. I don't come with hate this morning. Not at all. But we just want to look at what the Bible says uh, in these in these particular areas. So Genesis two. This is kind of our our theme. And can I have just a little more house lights? Just just a little more this morning. Genesis two. It said the Lord God said it is not good that the man would be alone. So I will make him a helper fit for him, and out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what uh, he would call them. But for Adam there was no... There was not a helper found fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made to woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they be Became one flesh, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So, in this passage, we see God's design uh, for humanity, identity, gender, and sexuality. It's it's clear. Humanity is a creation 
of God with a close relationship with God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, the psalmist said. We are children of God. We are loved, a loved creation with a plan, purpose, and destiny for our existence. Also from this passage, we were created male and female. We are physical beings. Each gender has a wonderful, complementary uniqueness. Gender and identity is determined by your physical body. That is this passage here. God's design also from this passage. God's design for sexual expression is clear. It is heterosexual marriage. He provided the biology to make it happen. He also provided the interest and the curiosity to make it happen as well. There is only one way to make babies and that is men and women together. Although marriage and family has been applied imperfectly throughout the centuries, it has provided the societal stability and flourishing from the generation. So it's not been applied perfectly, but over the generations, it has been a blessing. It has been a blessing to humanity. So... Let's look at this passage and let's look at, let's do the application of this based on age and stage of life. So let's look sex and single, sex and single. So what you see a lot uh, on TV and movies is lots of sex, but it's with no commitment. It's just sex. Whoever you want to sleep with, however long you want to sleep with them, and when you're done, you just move on to the next person, okay? We see this all the time on movies and TV. We see it in the personal lives of the actors and actresses. We see it in the social media influencers. And we also see it in the new wisdom of today in TikTok, right? Because if it's on TikTok, it's true, right? That's the, that's the new wisdom when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to this topic. But I want you to know that, that the Bible says there can be harm that can come to you and your heart if that's the way, if that's the, the worldview and how you practice sexuality. God has a better plan than that. So I want to read you a passage of what Paul, when Paul talks about this, and he's going to make a point in this passage, but it's going to be kind of a negative example to illustrate the point. So it's 1 Corinthians 6, 16. Uh, It's in the message. So here's what he says. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As written in the scripture, two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. That kind of sex, there, uh, that that kind of sex that can never become one. There is, in a sense, 
there is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made uh, for God-given, God-modeled love and for becoming one with the other. Okay, so let me just say clearly, and I want to talk about that passage. We are not designed for emotionally for casual uncommitted sexual relationships. That's not the component. That's not, that's not how we are made. That passage says that, that just going from partner to partner, he said it will wind up leaving you more lonely than ever, which is the opposite of the message of culture, you know, that you just go from partner to partner to partner and that there's no consequence to that at all. Can I just say, that's just because it's fantasy. All right, But we're not created, we're not created that way just to go from partner to partner, from bed to bed, without love and without commitment. This passage says it will leave you emotionally empty and lonely. It said that kind of sex, there'll never be this wholeness in your heart with no, no commitment and it's only a physical act. Okay? Now... That passage, the, the wisdom of that passage is borne out, too, in what we see in society. So the American Psychological Association did a study on the hookup culture. Okay, they just, they talked to young people about those that, that that's kind of their worldview. And here is the results. This is not a church-based study. This is the American Psychological Association. The results of the hookup culture, those relationships, 27% said that after that, they felt embarrassed. 24% reported emotional difficulties. 20% said they had experienced a loss of self-respect. And 10% reported difficulties with a steady partner. Okay. Now listen, the movies and TikTok and all, they're not going to tell you that. All right, Because it doesn't matter to them. They're out to sell tickets. They're out to make money. And whatever happens to you, if there's carnage or hurt or pain left behind, they're not concerned about that. They've moved on. They've moved on. But the Bible says we're not created that way. And even in our own society, that kind of pain, you know, is, is revealing itself in people's lives. A Regenerous and Euchre wrote a book called Premarital Sex in America. Here's what they, here's their result, Okay. Sex is far from a simple pleasure. The emotional pain that can linger after poor sexual decision-making at any age suggests a complex, complex morality inherent to human sexuality. Most emerging adults will not experience an unintended pregnancy or an STI, but have already and will continue to experience regrettable sex. So these are people, when they got a little older, they looked back and they had regret on that. So I'm just telling you this morning, every young person, every single person, we are not created that way to hop to bed to bed. There's emotional, long-term emotional harm that, that can occur in your life. Hebrews says this, honor marriage. Guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between the husband and the wife. God draws a firm line against casual 
in illicit sex, okay? So God has given us love and commitment and, and passion for sexual expression. If you take away one, if you take away the love and commitment and all you have is just the, the passion and the physicality, then you've missed the fullness and the wholeness of the gift that God created. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. So God gives us boundaries, sexual boundaries, not to rob us for the pleasure of, of sexuality. That will come later. But so that we would not harm our hearts and our minds and our bodies. He's not trying to deny you of the pleasure of sexuality. He's trying to keep you from harm. And sometimes people, they deal with this. Man, when they, you know, in their own heart, they feel, you know, they feel broken. They feel used. They feel rejected when they kind of live this lifestyle. So I'm just going to say this to you if you're young and single, okay? You want passion. You want intimacy. You want steamy love. Get married. That's God's plan for you. Just wait. Just do it right. Find the right person at the right time in your life, and that gift will be a blessing to you for the rest of your life, okay? And you won't live your life with regret. Go to your marriage pure. That's not anything to be embarrassed about. You won't have any regrets on your wedding day, I promise, okay? So, sex and single, sex and marriage, and marriage. All right, married people, you ready for me? All right? You thought it was all about the single. I'm coming at you now. Ready? All right. A healthy sexual relationship between a husband and a wife is one of the greatest gifts that God gives married couples. Now, I used the statement a moment ago, God has given us love and commitment and passion for sexual expression. And if you take away one or the other, you know, then you find some imbalance. Okay, so it's the same way when it comes to sexuality uh, and sex, even in marriage. Now, I want to read you a passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where he talks about married sex. I want to read this to you. He says, now getting down to the questions you ask in your first letter to me, First, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Certainly, but only within a certain context. Is it good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband? Uh, it, excuse me. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced, fulfilling life in the midst of a world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. I'm going to talk about this in more detail in another message. But in this passage, I want you to see something. He is not ignoring sexual expression and sexual passions, but he says that the marriage bed is the answer to our sexual urges, but also it provides the emotional balance, the love and the commitment and the fulfilling sexual life. It brings it it's bringing it all together is what he was saying. So when we use the term 
in a marriage ceremony, or we just use the term when we read the passage, one flesh, that's not just a ceremony, but it is the bonding, the emotional and spiritual bonding that comes from the gift of sex that God gives married couples. So even in the design of men and women, uh, psychologically and biologically, regular sexual expression has a great impact upon your marriage, okay? And I use the term regular. Whatever that means to you, okay? Things change. Things change in life, okay? So whatever, whatever that means, but it's a great part of the life of the married, of the married couple. So... That's the first thing that I wanted you to see. The second out of this passage is that our intent should be to satisfy sexually our spouse. Not going through the motions, selfishness, or routine, but with attentiveness, focus, and a loving heart. I didn't say that. That's what Paul said. All right, that's, I'll quote it again. That the husband should seek to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy husband okay so we're not just going through the motions we're not just you know we're not just giving a little tip of our time that this should be a regular part whatever that means but when we are there we are in the moment and it is an expression of our heart our love not only our body so don't deny regular sexual expression because it is a it is a great emotional benefit to the marriage okay now Stephen Arterburn from Every Man's Battle says that, that men, on the average, every 72 to 84 hours, their green light's on. Okay? All right? All right? Now, it's a little different for the woman. Okay? It's a little different for the woman. So, we got to get the traffic lights on at the same time. That's the challenge. All right? All right? Especially get older, have kids, life changes. So, so I have a thought that can help bring clarity to this, okay? And it will be using the traffic light system. So women, if it's just a no, no, you wear red at night, okay? You just come out after seven, wear something red, that just says stop. If things are all good for you, you come out wearing green. All right? If you are unsure, you come out wearing yellow. Proceed with caution. All right? I think that alone can bring clarity to, the, to this. And listen, listen. Romance needs to be part of, 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 our, of our relationships, our physical relationships. So, use music if you need to use it. Whatever your music, Dean Martin, turn it on. It doesn't matter. The Commodores, turn it on. Don't use Brick House. That wouldn't be a good song. John Mayer, put on your candles. It doesn't matter. All right. I just want to say to you this morning that the best sex is not an illicit relationship on some movie, but the best sex is in the bedroom of the married with those who are loved and committed to each other and are honoring God with their lives. That's the best sex. No applause there. Oh my goodness. 
I'll be back to that later, okay? All right? Sex and single, sex and marriage, sex and homosexuality. So if you, if you come to the church, you're watching me this morning, and your worldview may be a little different on this than maybe the church, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. I don't come to you with anger or hate. I come to you this morning to present the biblical worldview, which is ignored and it is silenced in this area. It is not affirmed. It is not appreciated. It is not sought out. And I want to say again, to my 35 years and under, I want to just I want I want you to hear the biblical worldview on that. But I don't want anybody to be offended. I'm not coming with anger this morning. But I'm here, you know, in the spirit of, of discussion and cordiality. So let me just present to you very quickly the biblical worldview in this area. So the scriptures presuppose heterosexuality. Okay, that's presupposition. From the garden, Adam and Eve, the rib from Adam's side, the whole, the whole imagery there, the anatomical design of the human, the reproductive system, and the reproductive system that only can perpetuate life by the unique biology of the male and female. Okay, that's very clear in the scriptures. Okay, so it presupposes heterosexuality. There are no passages that affirm this lifestyle in any way. You don't see uh, homosexual couples getting married or, or this relationship being affirmed in any way. So just want you to know that. Now, the Bible does say strong things about homosexuality, but it also says strong things about all other kinds of sexual immorality. So I'm going to show you a passage from 1 Corinthians 6, and I want you to remember it because I'm going to use it a little bit later. So here's what it says. Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral or the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanders, nor the swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. So he's hitting all forms of sexual immorality. All forms. Before you're married, if you're unfaithful in your marriage, all forms. So this passage is a warning light, a red warning light to all. Now, one, one discussion, you know, when we, when we talk about this topic and you see it a lot, you know, are you born this way? Are you born this way? That is some of the thinking that, well, genetically we're born this way, so we can't, we can't help it. And I want to talk about that, that, that for just a moment. So in 2019, the Washington Post, they did a report, an article called, There Is No Gay Gene. Okay, uh, It says, but genetics are linked to same-sex behavior. So they took the DNA of a half a million people, and they analyzed the DNA of a half a million people. So here is kind of the thesis sentence of that particular study. Now, this article quoted an article in Science Magazine that had done the research, so this is the conclusion here. There is no one gene that determines a person's sexual orientation, but genetics, along with environment, may play a part in shaping sexuality. Okay, so did you hear that? So out of 500,000, genetics may play 
apart, along with environment. Okay, so it was not definitive when it came to the genetic part of that, okay, but it qualified it greatly when it, when it said environment as well playing a part in shaping sexuality. That's a huge qualification there, huge qualification. So when it talks about environment, it could be influences that come into other people's lives, you know, relationships. This article says it's not necessarily chemicals in DNA, but it's more about relationships and experiences. Okay, and I've got the link up there. You can go read that article. Now listen to me, okay? There is no scientific consensus that homosexuality is genetic. There's no scientific consensus that it is genetic. There are only anomalies, brief anomalies to that, you know, to that particular statement that I made. So I, I want you to know that we, we don't think that it is fixed, that it is, that is environmental, but we also, we think that's the Bible, but we also see the scientific world that kind of affirms that as well. There's another concern that I have, okay? That the human body is not made for sexual activity in this manner, okay? That it defies the nature, it defies the Genesis 2 creation. The human body is not made for sexual activity in this manner. So I want to show you statistic, not from the church, from the Center from Disease Control, our governmental website, 2018. Here's what it says. Look, more than 1.2 million people in the United States are living with HIV infection, okay, uh, AIDS. Almost six in seven, 14% are unaware of their infection. In 2018, 30 37,000, almost 38,000 people received an HIV diagnosis. So this is continuing. It's almost static every year, all right? Of the 37,968 that received the HIV diagnosis, 70% were gay or bisexual, okay? So that is the, that's the sign kind of that the human body is not made for sexual contact in this way because you can get sick you can get you, you can get sick when it's when it's practiced in this way and there were in 2018 there were 15,800 deaths among diagnosed HIV people some of that was directly related to that some may have not been so so there there are concerns that people have that the human body in God's design it's not created in you know it's not created in this way or created for this and that there is a People get sick because of that. So just want you to think about that. And then one other thing, and I'll move on, all right? Whether it's unreported or unintentionally ignored, there are the testimonies of many, many people, okay, who've walked into that lifestyle, and the man, they, because of faith or other things, they have said no, and they have, you know, they have uh, come back. You know, they have left. A lot of people, because the message today is once you start, you're locked in. You know, there, there's, no, there's no change regardless of how you feel because it's genetics, okay? But I want to say to you, all right, there are many, there are many 
that started in that lifestyle and they've left that lifestyle because they have found wholeness and healing through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. So if you have a different worldview than that, I just want you to know it's way unreported. But man, there are people that have walked in that lifestyle and they've left for whatever reason, many because of faith. Now, if you want to explore that, read that, kind of balance your thinking, i got some recommendations for you. All right, one is a book called Washed in Waiting from Wesley Hill, okay? Another is God Anti-Gay from Sam Alberry, And then there's a website called livingout.org that may can provide some balance to what we all hear uh, here in our culture, okay? So, all right, last one, sex, gender, and LGBTQ. Grandmother Core, we doing all right down there? We're good? All right, all right. Josh is wiping sweat, but she's fine, all right? All right. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 22 says, A woman must not wear a man's clothing, nor a man wear a woman's clothing. This is Deuteronomy. <laughs> this is 3,000 years ago. Okay? For those of you that think, man, this is kind of, you know, this is kind of, uh, you know, surfaced recently. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. This is back in the, in the Old Testament that they were, they were dealing with this. There were people that were having these, these, inner, these inner feelings. Okay? But, but just know in that passage, too, you know, that those inclinations were contrary to God's will because he said, don't go, don't, go down that, don't go down that path. Now, we have a different thinking today when it comes to gender and identity, and I just want to identify them really quick, all right? Your sex is determined by the body you were born with, and gender is what you think you are. Your identity now has to be discovered by you. So you're born with a certain fixed biology, but you, you know, you kind of discover your identity as you get older. That's why in some places they're not even putting male or female on birth certificates anymore. They're not doing that. Sexuality is what makes you complete as a human being, and suppressing it is unhealthy. Sexuality and gender is a civil right and an issue of equality. Failure to affirm is a rejection of someone at their deepest level. If you don't affirm them, then you are harming them in some way. So there's always this great cultural pressure to affirm because, of course, we would not want to, we would not want to harm anyone, okay? Paul McHugh from uh, Johns Hopkins Medical School, he gave a, the definition of transgendered that I want to uh, just relate to you. So what is transgendered? Uh, he's a he's a doctor, medical doctor. That your sex is a feeling. Uh, that your sex is a feeling, not a biological fact. It can change at any time. Whether you're a man or a woman, boy or girl, it is more of a disposition or feeling about yourself than a fact of nature. Okay, so that's the thinking of that today. Now I want to give you the biblical understanding of gender. Okay, from from Genesis two, we hold to the biblical belief that gender is a fixed component in our created identity, okay? That gender, our gender is a fixed component of our created identity. So, you know, uh, your identity is defined, you know, as your, as your sexuality. And I, I just want to say, you know, but, but God's view of that, he just doesn't look at us as sexual beings. He looks at us much broader as sons, sons and daughters. And the thinking is, if I'm not living out my sexual identity, then fulfillment in my life 
can never happen. And I just say that's, I just think that is incorrect there. So concerns, concerns. Don't come with hate. I don't come with anger, okay? I, I come, you know, I want to share some concerns, okay? Number one, the supposed fixed nature of sexual attraction, heterosexual and homosexual, versus the fluid nature of gender identity. So to me, there's some illogical thinking here that, that you're, you know, you, you're, you're heterosexual or homosexual. That's by design and DNA, and it's fixed. But your gender is fluid. You can move back and forth, and that's the term, gender fluid. Pan, you know, pan-gender. So to me, there, there's some illog- illogical thinking, too, that your sexual attraction is fixed, but your gender is, is fluid, okay? Because that, that doesn't make sense to me. You, you, you got to pick, in this argument, you got to pick one or the other. It's either all fixed, all of it's fixed, or all of it's fluid. But it's very convenient when you go, one part of this is fixed, and the rest of it is fluid. You can do whatever you, can do whatever you want to. So to me, there's some illogical thinking when it comes to, when it comes to that worldview. Okay? Another concern that I have, suicide and depression rates of LGBTQ. Uh, this is USA Today. The rates of depressive symptoms, 51% for trans- transgendered women and 48% for tran- transgendered men. Anxiety, 40% for women, 47% for men. Within the current study, far surpassed the rates of those of the general population. So, Man, you would think if they're living this out in fullness that there would be happiness. But in actuality, many of them are struggling with depression and anxiety. That is a concern to me. That's, to me, that is part of the, the issue when we're moving things around that, that God set is fixed. And this is even more sad. Suicide attempts are alarmingly common among transgendered individuals, such as trying to kill themselves at some point of their lives, 41% compared with 4% of the general public. So, man, there are people, there are people that are considering ending their life, and I just want to, I want to speak out against that. I mean, I, listen, I love, I love every person. I don't want to see anybody depressed, especially going through, you know, uh, suicide, but to me, that's just part of the, the problem when we begin to move things around you know, that are fixed. I have another concern, all right? The cultural and legal accommodations made in this area can be harmful to others, seem illogical, and can open the door to discrimination and intimidation. I'm going to touch this really quick. When we see the, the application of all these rules and laws, now, you know, like, like men, transgendered men, women, whatever you want to call them, they can compete in women's sports, and women are losing scholarships, they're losing academic scholarships, they're losing athletic scholarships because they're competing with, you know, biological males, okay? Like, I'm just like, wow, that's, it's so illogical, you know, at that point, okay? It's just, it's just but it harms other people. So women who have worked hard on their athletics and they're, you know, trying, trying to be the best, now they're competing against men. There's an issue there, okay? There's also just some illogical things like you saw it in the news this week. There's no more Mr. Potato Head. He's just named Potato Head. What a dumb name. Okay? He's just Potato Head now. 
because they're trying to make this cultural accommodation, all right? And if you saw it on the news about three weeks ago, I saw it on Twitter, I almost fell out of my chair. A hospital in England no longer uses the term breast milk. They now use the term chest milk because they don't. And that was, on the, that was on the news and everything. Listen, I promise you, there ain't no milk coming out of a chest. I promise you that, okay? I don't care how much you try. That baby's going away hungry, all right? All right? I'm just saying the application of some of their, there's some illogical things, you know, as this, this, uh, this lifestyle is forced, you know, forced upon us. Also, in worship team, you can come. Um, this week, you know, our Congress has taken up the Equality Act, um, which and I, and I have great reservations, and I just, just for a moment, I just want to share that for a moment. The Equality Act extends legal protections acquired through civil rights legislation to the LGBTQ community, okay? But now listen, they're not the same thing. That's not the same thing. And I don't want anybody treated ugly, harm. I don't do that. I don't practice that in my own personal life. But that's, that, that is not an apples for apples, you know, extension there. I also believe this will be the wedge issue that will be used against the church for having a biblical worldview, okay? It's this, it's rules and laws like this that I think is going to be the initial wedge issue, uh, church and state division. And if also if this passes, religious institutions, churches can be fined, you know, or shut down. Like what I'm saying this morning, you know, it could very well be illegal one day. Christian colleges... Religious adoption and foster care agencies, religious charities, they'll all need to be on guard if this passes, okay? All right, so I'm going to close. So, like, especially man, if you come from a different worldview than what I said, you're in the church, you're watching online, you know, first of all, I'm glad you're here, and I appreciate you giving a preacher a few moments to talk about things that you may not believe, may not practice, or whatever, but I appreciate you uh, giving me the format for a few moments to share some things that, uh, that, that I think people need to hear. Now, let me say, my first concern is not how you dress or how you live your life. Okay, that's not my first concern. It's about your heart and relationship with God. And if you think I come like every week and I'm grinding this issue, you're wrong. You're wrong. Probably it's been two years since I've even maybe even mentioned this. So I don't care what you do on the weekend. I just want you to know Jesus and come into fellowship with Jesus. There's not a perfect individual in this whole place everybody's got all kinds of hang-ups, you know, different, different things come in with a mess, but we've all found hope through a relationship with Jesus and realize that only God can help us and that He can restore our lives. The message of the gospel is not a message primarily of sexuality, but the message of the gospel is about God's love for mankind. Let every person know that he loves them. I want to say to everyone, your sexual activity and sexual identity will never 
satisfy the deepest needs of your heart. Okay? It, it never will. I want to say, if you come from a homosexual LGBTQ background, maybe you're in that lifestyle today. Okay? Listen to me. I'm very sorry if you've been hurt by the words or the actions of Christians. Okay? And if you thought somehow their anger on this topic was reflective of how God views you, okay? I want to say, I'm sorry. Please forgive us, okay? All right? Sometimes we don't articulate our passion sometimes with also the the hand of, of love. I hope that you didn't take anything that I said this morning with with hate or anger because I promise you I don't I don't feel that toward you know toward any person what if I attend generations church and I'm having a struggle in this area should I leave the church no 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 I'm glad that you're here I'm glad that you're here as I said we've got people who come from every background and we're all trying to do our best to to get in the shadow in the shadow of the cross so in a moment, I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to pray for those dealing with regret and shame over sexual decisions that they've made in the past and they just can't shake it. I'm going to pray for those who are hurt and they feel used maybe from a previous lifestyle. I'm going to pray for those dealing with sexual sins and hurts. And I'm going to pray also for strength for every person to live out God's plan in this area for their lives. Okay? But I want to take you back to one, pa- one, one passage. I told you I was coming back to it. See if you'll remember this. Or do you not know that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, the men who have sex with men, nor the thieves, nor the greedy, the drunkards, or the slanders, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on. And this is what some of you were. Isn't that great? This is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, hey, it doesn't matter what you've done. Yeah, you keep walking that life out. And you'll have to stand before God. He said, but that's not where you're at now because you've been washed and you've been cleansed. And I'm just telling you, there is a cleansing work and a restorative work that the Lord wants to do in all of our hearts. Okay? Nobody has to have shame in this area. No one has to be embarrassed. I'm just telling you, God can cleanse and He can make whole in every area of our life, including this one. Okay? So I just want to pray really quick. And then we're going we're gonna to baptize some people. We're going to celebrate this morning. So would you just pray with me? Lord, I thank you. I thank you for clarity, you know, in this, uh, in this area. Lord, you're not trying to rob anyone. Lord, you've created this wonderful gift. But you've also created the rules and the guidelines as well for it to be a blessing. Lord, I pray for those... Then they, they've got uh, sins in their past and hurt, maybe from poor decisions in their past, and they just feel shameful. Their heads are buried. They have trouble in worship because they can't get over this. Lord, I pray. I pray for those who are hurt and used. Maybe they walk down a pathway, and man, they just feel hurt 
unused and rejected. Lord, I pray for those that are walking through regret and shame. Lord, I pray that they'll come to you as Savior. I pray they, they'll, they'll experience the washing and the cleansing of Jesus Christ. Lord, that they'll know you. Lord, I pray for those today. And I just want to say God forgives you. God forgives you. And if you ask for that, God will forgive you. God will cleanse you. God will make you new in this area. You don't have to walk with shame. You don't have to walk with darkness. There's cleansing and there's restoration that comes through this. And Lord, I pray, I pray for strength for every person to live out God's plan in this area. Every young person, every single person, Lord, live out God's plan. Every married person, every adult, Lord, we want to live out your plan. And Lord, it'll bring wholeness and and healing, Lord. We just give you thanks. We give you thanks. Can we just take a moment? Would you just worship him? Just praise him this morning. He's a God of restoration. God of restoration. God of restoration. He's doing that to some of you this morning. You don't have to walk around with guilt and shame anymore. He says you're cleansed. You're washed. Whatever you've done, you're cleansed and washed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.